a really quick and exciting announcement to make. The Menopause and Cancer podcast is now also on YouTube, and I'm so excited that more people now get to watch our conversations. So the link to the YouTube channel is in our show notes. Please go and subscribe to the channel so that more people who need to hear our conversations are able to find them. Thank you. Hi, I'm Danny Bennington and welcome to my podcast. This podcast is for anyone who's been affected by cancer and menopause. I'll be speaking to special guests and menopause experts to help us find solutions to our symptoms and of course, address the greater picture. We're going to talk about everything from mental health to physical health, sexual health to bone health and everything in between. Nothing is off limits, welcome. Welcome to today's episode on the podcast. How are you? Each week I'm trying to bring you something different because I want to expand our thinking in how we think about managing and navigating menopause after a cancer diagnosis, regardless of your cancer, regardless of your staging, regardless of where you live. And today I want to dive into a really beautiful story, and that is Stacy's story. And what strikes me so much about Stacy's story, Stacy has gone from being diagnosed with cancer at 30 to feeling totally shut away and locked down. She describes, like I know I also you know, could relate really well to that when she was first diagnosed with cancer and was going through active treatment, it felt like her own personal pandemic. She shut herself away from the world. Now, just recently, Stacey was on a Channel 4 documentary with Davina McCall, and she openly spoke about her menopause journey. And how Stacey managed to go from A to Z is such a huge deal. She's come such a long way, and I'm so grateful she shares her journey and what happened to her on the podcast with us today, because I want you to know it is possible that, yeah, we might not be able to get rid of all of our symptoms and it might not just all just turn amazing immediately. However, you can be on this journey and this journey can go and move towards a more positive experience. And that positive experience can happen on lots of different layers. And I'm sharing with you what Stacy has got to say today, and I'm super excited to bring her on. Hi, welcome, Stacey. Hello, thank you for having me. So we've just been chatting for a good half hour about all sorts of things, and it's great. And I thought we need to press record now, otherwise everyone is going to miss our conversation. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, good idea. It's a sunny Saturday. I'm in Surrey. Where are you, Stacey? Where do you live? Uh, I live in Camberwell in London. Yeah, cool. Welcome. So Stacey, just recently in the papers, there was another comment by a medical uh, journal published and they said menopause is mainly a natural transition and many people don't need to medicate it. How does that make you feel? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I can understand that that's some people's experience. Mm. And that's fine and very lovely for those people. But in my experience, it's wholly untrue and mildly offensive. (laughs) Yeah. I always think medical professionals really need to start differentiating because there are people like us who think, what are you talking about, right? Yeah. Well, I think it's kind of just like a big, it's a 
big change that happens for many reasons in people's lives, whether it's medically induced or whether it's it happens naturally. But I feel like it's just like a blanket word. And there's so many different parts and, and different things that go on behind the scenes that people are like, well, you've either got a good menopause or a bad menopause and that's it. Or you've got a natural one and you've got a chemically induced one and that's it. And it's just, there's so, so, much, more there's so much more to it. How did and, you and get there? <laughs> how did I get there? Uh, well, I, I had a medically induced menopause uh, because I had, so I had breast cancer and I was diagnosed when I was 30 years old. And my breast cancer was estrogen positive, which meant that after I'd had chemotherapy um, and a lot of surgery, I had to have treatment where I took, um, I had Zoladex injections monthly uh, for two years. And I took um, another drug called exemestane um, daily. And those drugs, they like reduced, severely reduced the amount of estrogen that was in my body. So the idea of doing that is to prevent the cancer coming back let's explore, by suppressing. Yeah, let's explore that time a bit yeah, more. Because I'd like to, so for today, you know, we're all so different. We're thrown into menopause differently. But at the age of 30, yeah, it's the last thing you expect. I was 33, so I, I can only a little bit relate. But how, how was that journey from sort of that diagnosis? It, yeah, it was a surprise. <laughs> so I, when I first found a lump, I thought about it for a couple of weeks, maybe about a month, thinking, should I go see someone? Should I not? Um, and my whole experience until I was diagnosed was basically the whole vibe was, don't worry, you're really young. Yeah. It'll be fine, but yeah. we should check you out anyway. And I, I had like a biopsy and they were like, it's going to be fine. You're really young. And I was thinking, yeah. oh, this is, this is, this will be all right. And turns out it wasn't all right. And then everyone was shocked. Oh, you're, but you're so young. How can this have happened? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. So all of that happened, right? And yes. then you went through surgeries, like you said, and yes. chemotherapy when you're in your early thirties, did you continue to work or how was your life? Was it put on hold? No, everything was put on hold. I... I had thought I would kind of be able to work from home and and deal kind of deal with it in a way that I could still live parts of my life whilst having treatment, which I know some people do very well and some people do half and half. But when it came down to it, I just I stopped everything. When I had when I was having chemotherapy, it was probably like six months worth of chemotherapy. I stayed inside most of the time I didn't really go out I had visitors every now and again on a you know the last week before the next round when you're feeling feeling pretty normal um yeah. but I kind of it was quite isolating and I was just kind of just like getting by day by day doing it and yeah not working not going out every like my whole it was like my whole calendar just cleared empty yeah. done doesn't matter anymore because it didn't but um it's like your own internal pandemic isn't it is you know in yes. lockdown everyone was shut away and life changed so drastically and I, I I remember experiencing the pandemic and lockdown and I remember thinking I know this feeling it's when 
Your yes. whole life, your whole world changes from one moment to the next and nothing will ever be, or I thought will ever be remotely the same again. And I could yeah. really sort of, it's almost, it was a similar experience because your whole world became different. Yeah. Well, when we did have the first lockdown, I thought, oh, this is fine. I've been here before because yeah. it was like having, yeah, my own personal lockdown. And I also was, you know, when I was having chemotherapy, part of me was kind of maybe not terrified, but very anxious about, I didn't want to get sick. I didn't want to pick anything up from anyone else. I didn't even want to get a cold. I didn't drink any alcohol. I didn't want to do anything that would make me feel worse than I was already feeling. Yeah. And yet the deprival of social connection, of the things we enjoy doing, the meetings of friends, the going out, the enjoying nature and people is sometimes making us also feel worse, right? Because these are Im important emotional things that yes. give us joy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I wasn't thinking yeah. too much about that at the time. Uh, I was very, I was very much in a, just this like that was my only goal was just to get through the rounds of chemotherapy we just have to do that and we just have to get through every day and that that was like that's all I focused on so yeah everything else just kind of disappeared it was not important anymore and yeah it must have well it did I, I was deprived of you know a lot of social interactions and, and things like that but that's how I did it Exactly. And it was fine for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's so important because there will be many people listening to today's episode who are also maybe in their 20s, 30s, in their younger years, being diagnosed with different cancers. And it's important yeah. for us to say, hey, we all do it so differently. Like we said earlier, some go into social media and talk about their experience from day one. It's taken me many, many years to be able to talk about it. And it's almost I had yes. this emotional jet lag of hiding it all away and then years later and I still can't talk stop talking about it and I'm nearly nine years on and I'm yeah. still here yeah. <laughs> talking about my menopause and cancer experience and I'm scared I'm guessing I'm still processing when you had chemo did your period stop no they didn't they were different for sure but they didn't stop the only so the only thing that kind of triggered the menopause was when I started taking these Zolodex injections and I, I think I had my first one after my last round of chemotherapy and I may I remember I made a note that it was it, uh I think it happened I knew that I my periods had stopped 10 days after I had the first Zolodex injection so I knew from um, the chemotherapy everything was kind of okay to some extent but yeah yeah and how much was the effects of solodex discussed with you the side effects the menopause how much awareness did you have so I when I was first diagnosed my breast care nurse I remember being in a room with my breast care nurse and I was with my partner and she was wonderful and she set out a plan of we're going to do this in, in this order, in this order, and then maybe we'll switch the order of some things and hopefully we'll have this surgery and then all of that stuff. And then at the end, there was, she definitely mentioned the menopause, but I don't know what the context was. I, I didn't really care, to be honest. I just mm. thought 
like there's so much in, in front of me there's so much to do hmm. I hope I even get to the, that part where there is the menopause you know at, at the time like it oh. <laughs> like oh, that's the, the end goal seemed to be the menopause so I was like great so yeah I spoke about it very briefly and I it was just not none of that was going in because there was just so much other stuff going on and then since since that part really no one spoke anything no one mentioned anything about the menopause and then I had chemotherapy I t- started taking these injections and nothing it just happened and then I realized that I wasn't having periods and my first thought was this is great I'm not having periods how wonderful <laughs> because it was good to not have a period or because was, you thought this is yes. great my drugs are working no I thought it was great it's good not to have one like what what yeah. a hassle <laughs> so, yeah 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 the one less thing to deal with and then yeah no, no one I yeah I suppose I started on these injections and I didn't even get like a leaflet no one gave me any guidance it was just like this this is what happens next deal with it that, that was and for the, how long were you told this is going to happen so monthly injections for how long what was the initial idea so uh, the injections I had I had one every month for two years and I didn't really notice in the beginning so I, I knew my periods had stopped but I hadn't I, I didn't really know how I was meant to feel or like I couldn't tell if I was entering the menopause or I couldn't tell if my body felt the way it felt because I just had loads of chemotherapy or just Absolutely. because I had cancer. Like, and, and then I started thinking about how I don't even know how I meant to feel as a normal person anymore, even anyway, if I wasn't. Yes. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So I didn't, it didn't really click that it was a medically induced menopause for quite some time because there was so many different factors that I didn't really know who I was inside anymore. Yeah. You know, the timeline that you describe, I think it's so important for anyone listening to really think what was your timeline or how did you feel at certain times? Because when I had my surgery or in the early days of active treatment, I would have given my left arm, my legs, my earlobes, I would have said, cut it all off. I don't care of the consequences. I need to stay here alive. Yes. And so consequences like you say menopause was the end thing. I didn't even care about it. And there were decisions I've made then that didn't think about my long-term health. And I guess it's, 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 I'm wanting to say this is normal. We go through different phases of yeah. processing this and we can't from day one be totally clued up about how, what do I want to do about medically induced menopause? And at the same time, if someone had said, Stacey, this now means you're in a medically induced menopause. This is what could have happened. I'm hearing from you. Would have been helpful at one point? It would have been helpful from the beginning because, so the way I dealt with a lot of my cancer diagnosis is that I didn't read too much about what was going to happen to me. I just thought, I think it's kind of similar to what you just said. I just thought I need to do this. Like whatever it is, I'll just say yes. Yeah, me too. And even when I had like my, I had a mastectomy and a, a deer flap reconstruction and I knew what the surgery was and I read the leaflet my surgeon gave me, but I thought that's it. I don't, I don't want to know about anything else. 
and then after my surgeries that there are some things that had happened and and uh some things that were going on in my body that kind of surprised me because I hadn't read up about these things but that's how I how I dealt with stuff and so with the menopause I hadn't read anything I hadn't kind of had the opportunity to become educated or be educated by people that knew what they were going on about and so it took me a long time to get to the point where I think I was ready to really like look online and read about what the menopause was doing to me and find out you know how other people are coping and it, it was just a long process of me getting ready to find out some information and I think if I was told right from the beginning and just like handed or being signposted in you know to, to some the correct people or some just decent advice I might not have looked at it for a couple of months but I would have had it and it would have been there and it would have made my life a bit easier at the point when I was ready to explore more about what was going on because what you said resonates with me in terms of it's how I sort of entered my menopause it was very much me driven patient led I needed to find out what I was going to do after my surgery and so I prepared and you say it took me a long time to get ready to know more about the menopause and to find out it shouldn't be you led by you right yes no it shouldn't to be led by the people who navigate and help help us navigate our care I I can understand why my oncologist wouldn't give me advice on the menopause because that's not their job. I can understand why I didn't get support from ex people, but the menopause that I experienced was because of my cancer treatment. So there should have been, I feel like there just needs to be another department and the menopause <laughs> department that's tied into the cancer department and just, just, there's just this big void where this information doesn't exist and the support doesn't exist and you know we are not the only two people that have had this experience it is very common for people to experience chemically and surgically induced menopauses from not just breast cancer all types of cancer it's it's insane and it's the void you describe it's messages I get every single day. No support, lack of support, conflicting information. Who can help? Is there anyone out there? I just feel like I'm going through this cold turkey. There is no help. I'm on my own. And it's a repeated message. But when you said earlier, you don't know who you were, were, like who you were anymore. How did you then figure out I need to dig into the menopause, you know, how did you think, okay, I'm now going to do menopause. And what was your starting point? So you went online. Yeah. So I, I went online and I tried to find things about menopause after cancer. And yeah, I found lots of stuff and it was, it was all aimed at people who were double my age. So a lot of things that I was reading about were people who were already at a different stage in their lives, you know, internally. They might have been nearing the menopause anyway, or they might not have done, or they, it might have changed their menopause that they were having anyway. But 
so I've just found it so difficult reading about someone else's body that has lived twice as long as I've lived. So internally, just, you know, if no one had had cancer, my body is not the same as someone twice my age. And my body is not the same as someone 20 years younger than me. And so I, I couldn't even relate to all these kind of experiences that people were writing online. I just couldn't connect to any of them. And then the things that I thought I was missing out on because of the menopause are not things that someone twice my age feels that they're missing out on and, you know, different stages of life. And just it was just very lonely um, yeah. and very isolating. And it was nice to see that there was a, a community out there, but there wasn't one for me. Mm. And it then a lonely place to be. Yeah, well, it seems like everyone's lonely. Yeah. <laughs> but there are people yeah. around. But yeah, I so I the only thing I came across, so I I discovered Trek stock, I think halfway through my cancer diagnosis. Um and they supported me in in kind of getting back into exercise after I had my major surgery, which was great, insanely great I don't know what, what I would have done really without them but coincidentally they started during a uh, menopause talk I think they had a kind of a, a set of panels called lifting the lid yeah it was great wasn't it yeah yeah and just at the time when they did I think it was the first one about the menopause was well when I was in it and I thought this is great I'm definitely going to turn up I just want to hear I just want to hear what people have to say. And I want to, I was just desperate to hear like a curated panel talk to an audience of people my age. And suddenly you were not alone because and suddenly was I was incredible... in a room with a bunch of other people who all had dry vaginas and it was wonderful. <laughs> Absolutely. And the turnout was amazing. There were experts like Dr. Louise Newsom and so many other amazing speakers uh, yes. talking about really important things and coming from it coming at it from different angles and when you looked around you thought well you are not alone and it's finding that community isn't it and I'm hoping yes. that for people who feel like you and I have felt in our journeys even if they stumble across the podcast they will notice and know that they're not alone and it's creating more yeah. pockets so that more people can stumble across those pockets and yes. think, gosh, okay, there are other people like me, and I and I what they say resonates. So, when you then got, you must have been a bit more aware about you, and maybe didn't perhaps like who you become or who your new self was. But what were your symptoms that you thought were menopausal symptoms? Because obviously, it could have been post cancer, like you say, we don't know if our anxieties because we've just been told we have cancer or is it yeah. menopausal? What was yours that you or thought? Am I just, or am I just traumatized by yeah. the past few yeah. years? So my menopausal symptoms, uh, this is the thing, everything I was looking up online, I, I was reading about people who had like debilitating hot flushes that they couldn't, you know, couldn't go to work because they'd have to get changed multiple times a day and like uh, all the symptoms I, I was reading seemed really severe and my symptoms were not necessarily affecting my everyday life so I definitely had hot flushes 
but they were manageable and minimal and they only seemed to happen when the weather was warm or sometimes at night. I would have night sweats, but again, nothing, not every day, manageable. Mm-hmm. I, I, I wouldn't, I, I wasn't waking up thinking I need to do something about this. I was thinking, oh, I'm sweating. Oh, this is just what happens. Low libido, had a dry vagina, probably fatigue. Who, who knows, you know, is that menopause or is that just life or is that kind of whatever, cancer treatment. And yeah, so lots of things that just didn't affect necessarily my everyday life. I could go to work, I could go out in the evening, I could do everything. But then sometimes I'd have these little reminders that, oh, I do have the menopause. Oh, I probably shouldn't be feeling like this at my age. And I think the further away I got from chemotherapy, the more that I realized actually it's probably not anything to do with the chemotherapy, really. It's the medication that I'm on now. And it was only going to the lifting the lid talk and being around other people my age who are experiencing menopause, post-cancer or during cancer, that I realized that I kind of was suffering and I was just putting up with how I was feeling. And I was putting up with it because I thought the last two years have been truly awful. This is like a small consolation prize. Like I, I can I can do everything, you know, I can live my life. And so I just dealt with it. And then I realized, yeah, meeting all these people that actually I I shouldn't I shouldn't just be putting up with these things. And there are there are there's things I can do and there's people I can talk to and there's lots of options for me if I if <laughs> yeah, if I can get around to it. Which I realize that I definitely should and I shouldn't put it off. You know what makes me sad because it's true for you for me for so many people I speak to is we get through maybe a year or two or however long the active treatment phase lasts after you'd been given the you've got cancer diagnosis and so many of us then feel it's okay to live at a reduced quality of life that we shouldn't yeah or maybe it's normal to not strive for feeling good or like we used to feel we almost accept and I did for so many years hey, if I feel totally anxious, if I've got all these negative, intrusive thoughts, 24 hours, every day, every week, every month, it's normal because I've had this happen to me and I need to almost put up with it. And having a dry vagina, yeah, it's just one of those things that I now need to put up with it. And it's, yeah, I've come out of that and it makes me sad because I was in it for so long. And what I realized is I've lost so much time when I was alive all the years that I was just pushing internally to I think you're just getting you know you're just getting by I think after and I think your expectations of of life have changed because of everything you've been through that you just think I don't know I, I think as well like it's just exhausting to have to deal with the menopause afterwards like you're just exhausted like you don't and you've been used to everyone providing you with options for treatment and providing you with information and and checking up on you weekly or monthly and you've been so used to having a massive support unit and then 
I think along with that, like, at, like pretty much disappearing, it is just all on you to figure out what's next. And I, I just, it's not ready. It's such, it's, I wasn't ready. It was such a big change. And I was quite happy to accept kind of lower standards of living because I, I was like, well, I don't have cancer anymore. So this is wonderful. <laughs> and this is the whole problem that survivorship brings with it. And from the medical professionals, they've helped us, like you say, with all that support to survive, better yeah. survival rate, survive cancer for longer. And it's how we survive that our expectations can change. It's okay that we want to feel good for the time yes. we have here, right? It's okay. <laughs> and if anything, I think we deserve it more, but somehow we don't, it's harder to obtain. <laughs> yeah. But you managed to reclaim some of that control, right? So that self-advocating, what happened after lifting the lid? You then came on the Navigating Menopause program for Trexdog. But what happened? Did. What did you walk away from? So the, the main thing that I walked away with is that I, I just had a, kind of like I had just like a kick up the butt. Like I was just yeah. reminded that, you know, if I have, some problems and they're not major if like if something's bothering me I should tell someone I should talk to a doctor or I should talk call up my breast care nurse and I thought you know what it is you know having a dry vagina it is bothering me but it only bothers me every now and again and I thought but it shouldn't be bothering me every now and again that's the kind of yeah. the bottom line yeah and so it was because of the lifting the lid, well, lifting the lid and the menopause course that I called up my doctor and I told them and then they got in touch with my oncologist and then my oncologist was like oh yeah there's a like you know we have a gynecologist that comes into the breast care unit once a week like we can put you in touch with him and and that's fine and then I started having appointments on the phone uh because of the pandemic but I thought it would be a lot more difficult to get support for that symptom and it turns out that there was someone there all along in my breast care unit that was very qualified and got the context of the cancer and the menopause. And I just thought, I can't believe I didn't even call up to find out. Because I think, I, I, you know, I'd read as well that lots of people have struggled to get, sometimes people struggle to find GPs that maybe understand kind of the complexity of the menopause when you're young and and after a cancer diagnosis but yeah oh, I was just taken very seriously and it was sorted out straight away and I thought wow I've been a bit of a fool to, uh, <laughs> to have taken my time again, to do this again Stacey but you are bringing the blame back to you whereas I'd like to challenge if you know, one more conversation had happened or two more mentions had happened at one point to say it's really common for people in a surgically or chemically onset menopause to experience vaginal symptoms. It could have been a sentence, one or two. If I got, if I was given a little bit of paper right. that had like symptoms listed on it, and then here's who you email, here's who you call. And if there was one part that said, you know, dry vagina or discomfort, email this person. I probably would have emailed after about three or four weeks. Yes. So and then, and then like, and just been like, what do you think? You know, is there anything we can do? Can we just have like a five minute chat about it? But because yeah. because there wasn't anything like that, I had to I had to go yeah. to the 
<laughs> exactly. You have to, to the wait end of for the years. Earth. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, sometimes things are mentioned to us because I, you know, remembering my own care, things have been mentioned to me. But if they're mentioned to you once, your headspace, you might be, yes, in, you know, you might not be digesting it all. And so I do think for any healthcare professional, which I'm hoping are listening to our conversation, are going to think, yeah, I just need to repeat sometimes and mention and just ask the question. And if it's a no, it's a no, she won't need help. But if it's a yes, we could have, you know, in your case, that journey taken months, if not years, could have been reduced to a few weeks with yeah. no big deal. It with no big deal. Yeah. I'm going to fast forward a little bit to the first Davina McCall documentary that was on the television. And yes. after I've seen it, I was sitting down and I was in rage. And I went oh, and I, yes, and I thought, wow, they're talking about the menopause and and no, nothing, very little of what they've said is about, I can't re relate at all. And, and, and I know how many people are like me. So I thought, you are excluding us. I feel excluded. So I was like woman obsessed and I emailed the producer and I said, oh, I love the documentary, but there are people like me and there are so many behind me now. And I'm sure we all <laughs> feel a certain way. Yes. What about us? Are you planning more? And, and my husband said to me, Danny, you're like those really, really old people that emailed our local MP <laughs> and everyone on the television all the time. You're like Auntie Pam, Auntie Pam <laughs> used to do that. And I said, yeah, I need to, I can't sit with my rage. I need to turn it into a roar. Anyway, fast oh, I love forward. That. That's great. Fast forward. You have been on the second Davina McCall documentary. Yes. <laughs> and you talked about. So well done. Experience. It worked. It your emails worked, worked. <laughs> so thank you I know I know a little bit from you that speaking up about your journey wasn't always something that felt very easy and that you felt you know you sat alone with it you said initially but you are yes. then now talking to me about dry vaginas and your menopause symptoms but not just now here you've openly talked about it on national television on I mean Four. oh my <laughs> yes. gosh yeah I, I went from I went from I'm not comfortable talking about this to I will talk to anyone and everyone because <laughs> I I well the re the reason the 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 main reason for doing the documentary was I just thought if I had seen myself or someone like me or just someone of my age on TV or a clip online talking about what I was talking about two years ago. I, I would have like looked that person up. I would have followed them. I would have wanted to have found out more and I would have felt like, oh, it's not just me. And I, I would have loved to have seen me two years ago doing that. So I thought I have to do that for that reason alone. Just as like representation for yeah. not, not just, you know, having cancer as a young adult, but for, you know, people who have the menopause through cancer, regardless of any age and just just awareness I think yeah just, just awareness and you did it all the time yeah and you did it <laughs> yeah I um, did it are you still in the menopause now or what was your further treatment where are you at now are you what did they move you on a different treatment after the two years of Solidex or yes so now I'm just taking tamoxifen I don't I guess I've been taking tamoxifen for I don't even know how long 
probably just under a year. And so now it's a bit confusing. And again, I've had no kind of guidance on this. But I did, after taking tamoxifen for a couple of months, I did start to bleed. And it's a very different, it's not like, it wasn't even a real period. I mean, that's why, that's how I classed it. But, it, you know, it happened once and I thought, oh, interesting. But because I was having appointments with a gynecologist on the phone, I had someone that I could tell. Amazing. And then the gynecologist said, okay, well, that, that's, you know, that's also a normal thing to happen. And he said, that, you know, it might happen once or it might happen again. Or it might happen, it might continue to happen monthly. And he was like, just see, just see what happens. And so now every month, I think for at least six months, I've been having like a regular cycle, which is still affected heavily by tamoxifen. So nothing, nothing like it was, you know, five, seven years ago. But yeah, so I, I suppose that means that now I don't have a medically induced menopause, but I'm still experiencing menopausal symptoms because I am taking drugs that still reduce my estrogen levels. So now I'm in a world of not, I'm not like fully submerged into a medically induced menopause, but I've got like, it's got a little bit better, but I'm, yeah, it's weird. Weird, it's weird. <laughs> weird, yeah, weird. And um, what strikes me is when you said, now I'm just on tamoxifen. Yeah. Because many people are starting, for example, on tamoxifen, they don't do the Zolodex and they have such difficult experiences. And yes. it's great, you're feeling it might be a bit later for you. And at the same time, it's important to recognize, isn't it? You're still taking a medication that has big effects on your body yeah but I tamoxifen for me has been a lot nicer than the Zolodex I was taking brilliant and I, yeah I, I've definitely I know some people that have just had to stop taking it because it's so debilitating yeah. but for me it's uh yeah I can I can tell that it's suppressing less estrogen and I can yeah. tell that there's a big difference um so yeah I'm not struggling with that um and it's made the menopausal symptoms that I had before it's lessened then but also I'm still at a point where you know things I'm told things could improve you know in the next six months still because it takes a long time for the Zolodex to kind of finish in your body and for the tamoxifen to kind of build up and yeah so that contact with that gynecologist and it doesn't seem like you take up lots of hospital time because it's all on the phone you say the appointments are quick again yeah. must have felt so reassuring just for someone to say hey it's normal that you can experience those bleeds whilst on tamoxifen well that that's the thing if I hadn't been having these uh appointments with the gynecologist then I would not have had easy access to someone who knew what I was going through to tell them about these things. I mean, sure, I could call up my GP and tell them, but they're, they're not, they don't specialise in cancer. They don't specialise in the menopause. I mean, some, I'm sure some of them do, but that's not the person that I would want 
to be telling I'd want to be telling someone like who knows exactly what I've been through and if I didn't have these like meetings on these phone meetings with this guy I don't know who I would have told and I don't know how I would have received just like a tiny like nugget of information from someone who was who was just telling me that like it's that's okay like that's fine that's all I wanted so and I did get that but yeah but yeah I don't if I hadn't called up I don't know yeah I would know less than I know now so we need specialist care there's no doubt we need like you say a void needs filling yeah until that is happening across our wonderful NHS and all the people that have saved my life and your life until that is happening what can we do what would you say to other people who are in their 20s and 30s like you what can they do if they're feeling they're swallowed up by that void I would just like to signpost everyone to the Trekstock menopause program. Like th- that is the only thing that made me not just feel not alone, but educated me correctly, signposted me to, to more people online who are like Anise and Louise Newsom and just gave me more options to learn from the correct type of people not just any old any old person yeah. online and also just being able to talk to a few people on zoom my age going through the same experience was it was a huge huge big deal and I I've not come across anywhere else online that provides anything remotely near to that kind of community or or support so I, I just I, w- I wish that everyone <laughs> wish that everyone could do it that was also why I wanted to go on the the Davina documentary. It's like I was fortunate enough to, to come across Trekstock, and the timing was right. I was on the first menopause yeah. kind of program that they did, but I feel like stuff, something like that should be compulsory because yeah, there's there's so much to be learned and even if you're not in the right frame of mind for it, just to know that it's there, that yes, there are yeah. things to do. You know, you don't have to go to a library and research everything yourself. Like that, there, there are people who have been doing this for you and, you know, and we haven't figured it all out yet, but yeah. Yeah. That, and there you'll is be support pleased, out there. You'll be pleased to hear we've run more programs since we're running one at the moment. We're finishing another one in a couple of weeks and it's Amazing. been just brilliant to take so many young people through that journey. And it's also different, isn't it, our journeys? And everyone takes something different away. Yeah. And as long as you can signpost to a couple of things that might be relevant, then you're opening up a few doors for that, for that yes. person. Yeah, you just want to open more doors, more opportunities to help. Yeah, that's it. One thing we've never spoken about, not on their treks, dog program not before we came on the podcast not in our chats was fertility ever mentioned to you because obviously when we go through menopause sodalex yeah was there a conversation about that <laughs> my uh so when, when I was first diagnosed I was told I could go to the fertility clinic at the hospital you know and 
do the thing and they could retrieve some eggs. And um, I didn't know if I wanted to do it, but I went along to the appointment. And then I found out that to do the, is it called egg harvesting? Yeah, I think so. To do that, you'd have to inject yourself with estrogen daily for X amount of time. And I was just sat there absolutely shocked thinking my cancer feeds on estrogen it's estrogen positive cancer and you're asking me to inject myself with estrogen daily and I don't even know at that point I knew where I had two tumors in my breast but it wasn't you know no one can say for sure if it had spread you don't really find that out until you know, you've had more biopsies and you've had surgery and, and, you know, you find out towards the end. So I thought this is the most insane thing I've ever heard. Why would I want to be feeding my body more of the hormone that my cancer is growing on? So I straight up said no, but I had no, I had no support there either. I was just sat with the, whoever the fertility person was. I said, no, there's no way I'm doing that. And that was it. And then I walked out of that appointment and that was done. <laughs> so that's something else on its own. I think I could have a, I think I could write a whole, uh, whole podcast episode myself about that. Absolutely. But, um, but yeah, in terms of fertility uh, and Xylodex and everything after that and chemotherapy, it's just non-existent in the, in the chat. And the only other conversation I've had about it was on these phone calls with my gynecologist. When I told him I was mm. bleeding again Mm. and I said so does that mean that my ovaries work and he was like well that would be you know that's the sign but he said you know you might actually enter a menopause you know in a few months again or you might enter it in five years because he was like we just don't know but my time when I will get the menopause part two (laughs) properly that time will be earlier than it would have been because of my chemotherapy. So no, it, now it's just like no one can say when anything's going to happen. It's just like a, just see how everything goes month by month. So it's just another world has opened up where you have no <laughs> answers, right? Because this is what happens, isn't it? We think we close the door. I thought I'm going to close my door with my journey to cancer. Whoa, I was swallowed up by menopause. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, <laughs> The thing, isn't it? You try and close the door and think you you can move on and get to that next stage. And now you're in limbo again, not knowing, living with the uncertainty. Will it, will it not? And I just wanted to clarify for anyone thinking, what does she mean, menopause round two? When oh. this, right? So when this yeah. treatment of tamoxifen finishes, your body will do what it'll do. No one will know what that is. And yeah. when perhaps you hit your late 40s, 50s, you will go through another experience of another menopause transition. Yeah. Yeah. You'll be really it. well informed as a positive I'll be here. so well informed. <laughs> <laughs> but this, this is the thing, because the, so the, yeah, the chemotherapy has reduced the number of eggs that would be in my body for sure but no one can tell you no one can give you a time frame on that so my gynecologist is very right in saying that you know it could happen next month or it could happen 
five years or it could, or it could just happen whenever it happens it, you, you know but yeah after, after taking after finishing tamoxifen maybe i'll get the normal periods that i had before back again maybe i won't it's uh it's just just wait and see what happens and i guess this is a really good point to end the conversation because one thing that this whole cancer experience has taught me is that the hardest thing to deal with was was uncertainty yes and i guess you're also a few years on from your first diagnosis and treatment and journey with zodelex and tamoxifen and you're still sitting with the uncertainty <laughs> yes i'm uh, i'm nearly i think i'm nearly four years since i it's been four years since i was diagnosed so i think i think the uncertainty will be forever but it will be slightly less once i've come off my medication but that's not for at least another two years i think but yeah it doesn't it doesn't end i thought right at the beginning of my diagnosis we just had to get to the point where it was over and done and it turns out and i think everyone everyone has this realization that it doesn't end i mean the treatment ends and you know the surgery ends and all those things but the medication and then even after medication your life is so heavily affected by what you've experienced and what you've been through it's there's no not having cancer anymore I think it brings me to my second biggest realization it's like you're summing up my whole everything that I've learned and that is (laughs) honestly and that is managing expectations yeah every single expectation I had was not met every single expectation I had was wrongly set in the first place because no one helped me set a realistic expectation I was thought like you said I'll be done but guess what no I'm still here talking about it yeah Um, and it gets better and different and easier and there's a process of grief of course that comes with this and that takes on shapes and has a cyclical movement but like you say we sit with a lot of the expectation we sit a lot of the uncertainty for the rest of our lives I guess yeah but I think to be able to talk about it and realize you know that we both we haven't had the same experience and no one has the same cancer experience, but I feel like most people can connect with that feeling and those kind of experiences of, yeah, uncertainty and just constantly your life constantly being affected by cancer, even if you're cancer free four years on, or I think nine or 10 years on, like you said, it's, it is a bit, that's not what I expected. It is a bit sad, but on the other hand, I love talking about it because I, and I love that you are still talking about it now and you've been cancer-free for a lot longer because I still want to be chatting about this forever, you know, because it, it doesn't, it doesn't go away. And the, the more that other people hear that like we're feeling this way, it makes you feel less sad. Yeah, and also I do think if I wasn't sharing how it is now, I'd do everyone a disjustice because a disservice really, because 
it's important for other people to know that if they're having thoughts about their cancer experience and they're five years on, then that's okay, it's normal. And it's so normal. To, I mean, how could so you normal. not? How could exactly. you not? <laughs> exactly. And I'm so glad you came out of your isolation, your personal isolation bubble, yes. and you decided to talk dry vaginas and the rest of it because your voice needs to be heard. <laughs> so thank you for talking to me. Um, <laughs> thank we you haven't for talked, listening. We haven't spoken about your lovely artwork and everything, but I'm just going to link in the show notes sure. to your profile because you're an amazing artist and so much more to talk about. And maybe we'll revisit our chat. Oh, Another I'd love time. that. Anytime. But yeah, that'd be great. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, I'm not sure about you, but I just loved talking to Stacy. There are two main things that really stood out for me and both of them I have shared at times and can really resonate to what Stacy said. The one is that we get to a stage where we're perhaps in menopause after cancer, but it's definitely post-cancer where we feel that not feeling good is normal, that this is our new normal. We we should experience it as just putting up with it because is it almost a trade-off for surviving? And the second thing is that when Stacy did go and ask for help, it was actually not a big deal in terms of getting the help. It was It was there for her. Maybe the help was always there, but she didn't know it was there. And so I can't help but think there is this big void, this big disconnect in just communication. And yeah, I don't know how you feel about that. But if you're also in your 20s and 30s and you're a young adult affected by cancer, I hope whatever Stacey had to say, and actually this is regardless of your cancer, um, you can resonate with some of it and that you will find many of the things helpful. And if you too feel that you're locking yourself away, you're in your own sort of retreat pandemic bubble of your own cancer experience, then do reach out and share and perhaps find a charity that you can connect with or contact Trekstock and maybe go on their uh, menopause, navigating menopause program. And if you know of other young adults, then please rate, review and share and subscribe to this podcast so that more people who need it can listen to our conversations. I see you on next week's episode. And in the meantime, sending you a big virtual hug. Bye bye.